So, welcome. How many of you have enjoyed the extra hour in bed this morning? Give me a wave. Okay. How many of you have small children that in no way respect the change of the clocks? <laughs> okay. Now you need to rejoice with those who rejoice. Okay, all right, okay. And now the rest of you need to mourn with those who mourn. All right, okay. That is the biblical principle here. Um, I think, yes, those of you that have been up since effectively 5 a.m. this morning, uh, then, yes, credit to you. And your reward is in heaven. I hope you know that. All right. Uh. Just going to be continuing uh, our preaching theme on Galatians. Uh, if you've been with us any length of time now, I know that we're preaching through the book of Galatians uh, this term, uh, really about freedom in Christ, about the true gospel. Um, and so I'm preaching this morning from Galatians 3:26 to 29. And this really follows on from all of our previous sermons there, where we've talked about no other gospel, about the true gospel of salvation by grace alone and about resisting any attempts to bring in a false gospel that introduces rules regulation or legalism into that environment where we've seen the importance of the the debate of uh, that there is there are no rules or additional qualifications added on to your identity in christ we say that uh, the debate amongst Jewish and Gentile Christians of should Christians still obey the law and of being able to be say, no, we obey the law in the spirit, but that is no longer a requirement upon us. That is no longer a qualification. Now the only qualification for coming and knowing and being a son of God is just through the grace that is present in the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay? And we've come through the importance of Resisting anything that would attempt to reintroduce slavery into our environment, that would attempt to restrict the freedom that we have in Christ. And then we've come through the key, the absolute importance of living by the Spirit, of having once started by the Spirit. That's how your, your Christian journey began. Your spiritual life is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we do not seek to continue by our human effort, that we don't slip back into foolish ways of thinking that we don't start by the Spirit and then continue by human effort. And of the fullness of the gospel being, being able to proclaim, how do we evaluate that by the work of the Holy Spirit, by being able to see, are the people that we are preaching the gospel to, are they having the Holy Spirit, are they having God himself come and dwell within them, setting them abundantly free, and of having that unique personal relationship that only comes by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so, as some of the background, uh, just of some of the, the topics that we've covered so far in the first few chapters. And then we're going to come on to Galatians 3, uh, 26 to 29. So if you turn to that, I'll read this and then we'll pray. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's just pray. Let's just ask Holy Spirit just to come and open up his word to us, him who inspired it. Yeah, Father, we delight in you. Yeah, we just long to just just dwell in your presence. Holy Spirit, pray that you just come amongst us now, come fill us. 
Open our hearts, open our minds, that you communicate to us, that you speak heart to heart, that we have that wonderful privilege of you inside us, that it is you who communicates. And Holy Spirit, just ask that we will just go out from this morning with a greater expectation of you, with a greater revelation of you, and a greater love for one another. Amen. Cool. I want you to just consider, all right, if you, uh, if you were in my place right now, I assume that you were up here um, and you were going to introduce yourselves, yourself to the rest of the church. Okay. Now, some of you are looking at me with actually some terror in your eyes. So I'm not actually going to ask you to do that. That might not be your gifting. You might have giftings elsewhere. But imagine that you're in my place, that you're here, and that you haven't preached before, and that a lot of the church don't know who you are. Start to think, how would you introduce yourself to the church? Or even if you were just say to the person next to you, you know, if there's people around that you don't know, if you were to try and introduce yourself in a way that puts you in context so they can get a good feel for who you are, how would you go about that? All right, think for just a moment. Okay, I'll give you examples of, you know, we tend to do that. We tend to introduce ourselves in ways that people can put us in some kind of framework, don't we? In terms of, oh, who do you relate to? What do you do? How, you know... Where do you fit? So often, if, I, if I've been away, if I've been uh, kind of preaching elsewhere in a context um, where I'm not known, uh, you know, often, you know, I tend to start with my name. It's a fairly, fairly basic uh, one, and I think that's okay. So, hi, my name's Dave. Often we that might then go to our occupation next, mightn't we? As our next port of intercommunal. My name's Dave. I'm a director at Eastgate. I also work as a GP. People start to put me in that framework there. Okay. Um, we often introduce ourselves in terms of our family or in terms of our relations, you know, yeah, human relationships. So I might say, oh, my name is Dave. I'm a director at Eastgate. I'm also a GP. I'm married to Joe. Joe's here. Okay. If I'm away in a different context, I sometimes then put a subclause in that, that Joe is short for Joanna, um, just because that sometimes helps people to clarify that kind of relationship in their heads, for those that that is important to. Okay? All right? I might then also go on to say, I have two, I have two children, Zoe and Sam. So people go, all right, he's also a dad. Okay. In this context as well, people often know me partly through my parents. My parents are Pete and Kim Carter. People often come up to me, are you Pete Carter's son? I'm like, yeah, Kim's too. <laughs> I was like, from a rather awkward chat that I had with them age nine, I gather it took both of them. <laughs> All right. And then what else? If I, you know, when I've spoken in, you know, in places further away, I might also say where I live, especially if I'm in another country. I say, I'm, you know, I'm Dave, um, I'm a director at Eastgate, I'm a GP, I'm married to Joe, I've got two kids, uh, I live in Britain, uh, I live in a wonderful village of New Ash Green. And then for the, the, the small minority of people in the world that aren't aware of New Ash Green, <laughs> I, I need to put that in some form of context. Saying, you know, basically, when I'm abroad, that, that's southeast of London, because basically that's the people's point of focus there. So what do we have? We have that tendency, don't we, to introduce ourselves in terms of our human relationships, 
our nationality or where we live and what we do, our occupation. All right. I put to you these are secondary considerations compared to our primary identity and the way that we introduce ourselves. And I put to you that this is one of the points that Paul is making here in this passage. When he is saying, first and foremost, there is one way in which you need to see yourselves. Verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So... I have started initially introducing myself in a slightly different context. Hi, my name's Dave. I'm a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Because that is the cornerstone of my identity. Now, admittedly, that is not to say that I don't value any of those other things at all. I do. I do. I value them absolutely deeply. And especially within a church context where you stand up and go, Hi, I'm Dave. I'm a child of God. And everyone goes, Yeah, well, we all are. Can you give us a bit more? (laughs) Yeah, it is very useful to be able to put that. And, and, And though there is, you know, I delight in on human relationships. I'd like my, my jobs. Okay. And what I do. And those do help people to put us in a bit more of a framework. But primarily, they are not the main way that we need to be seeing ourselves. All right? um, because your identity flows from Jesus. There's still, amongst all the other things, I believe all the questions that are being asked in the world today, I think they're really only... Uh, the, the two most important ones are who do you think Jesus is and what are you going to do in response to that? Okay. When this comes up, we're doing wonderful thing. We're doing Youth Alpha um, uh, downstairs with the youth. Uh, apart from this week where unfortunately you guys have a wonderful week off and are stuck listening to me. But you're very welcome up here. Um, but we're doing Youth Alpha the rest of this term where people are exploring key questions of faith, identity, Scripture, spirit, what about other religions? What about suffering, other things? And these are great questions that we're exploring. But what I love about Alpha is that it starts with the very key question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus and what are you going to do in response to that revelation? If you have worked out that it is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died to make the way for you to know the eternal God, What are you going to then do in response to that? That is it. Because we are children through faith in him. Our identity flows from Jesus. And this passage teaches that to truly know who you are, you have to first know who someone else is. All right? To truly know who you are, you first have to come to terms with who Jesus Christ is. Because ultimately, all other definitions that you try and put in place, every other way that you see yourselves, it all falls short unless you have put first things first. And you have put Jesus Christ first and you have worked out, actually, I know who Jesus is. And out of that flows the true knowledge of who I am. Okay? Thank you. It is good. Yes. (laughs) Because the world... It is sliding into a pattern in which self-definition is key, in which that is held above all else. It's now becoming the norm for people to say, only I get to decide who I am. Yeah? 
You can't define me. That's me. That's for me to do. For people to say, I refuse to be defined by the norms of our culture or by any social construct. For people to say, I'm not constrained by people's view of my gender, race, or social status. Now, interestingly, the gospel agrees with them on this count. Okay? (laughs) People are not defined by their gender, their race, or their social status. That is not the cornerstone of your identity. Okay? They are defined by their status in Christ. But where we fall into real trouble is falling into the trap of claiming ourselves to be the unique and ultimate authority on who we are. As we say, only I really know who I am. I get to decide who I am, what I am, and what I do. And this fundamentally misses the idea that as created beings, the one who has the ultimate authority and the best place to define us is our creator. The best deceptions always have an element of truth in them. Yeah? Okay? It makes them believable. The most dangerous lies are not the blatant ones that you can see a mile off, that are very obviously not true. Okay? The most dangerous lies are the subtle ones which have a familiar ring of truth to them and then twisting slightly to send you ultimately in the wrong direction. And the idea to reject the theory that it's human customs or human perceptions that define us is the truth in the mix. But what we then do is put ourselves as God, claiming to be the sole authority on who we are. And it turns out we're not best placed to do that. Okay. That's why the order here is particularly important. What makes us all equal, we're all, all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul clearly states, first, you are children of God. And then after that comes the definitions that you are not separated or ranked by any human division. Ultimately, we have to work out who we are in Jesus of being able to say, you know what, the person who has the best view on who I am is Jesus Christ. Now, and if this sounds like a sacrifice, it is. All right? (laughs) Okay, it is. The Christian life is one where we are willing to lay down our own views of putting ourselves as the primary authority and in charge and being able to say, you know what, I am putting God, the creator of the universe, which, you know, theoretically that should sound wise, all right? (laughs) You should agree with that, of being able to lay down my own rights to define myself and to determine exactly what I do and being able to say, actually, I am putting God's view above my own of being able to say, I am now no longer primarily living for myself. I am living according to the will of God. The Christian life is one of surrender, of just saying to God, you know what, your views trump mine. But you gain infinitely more than you lose. You gain an identity in him that is superior to anything that you could otherwise know. You know that God's ideas of who you are are a lot better than any idea of who you are that you could ever come up with. Yeah? All right? doesn't matter how good your self-esteem is. All right? Okay? 
God declares that in him, you are greater than you could ever imagine yourself. Children of God, of God, people. (laughs) It doesn't get any better than that. There is no way that you can perceive yourself in a human framework that gives you a better identity than that right there. There is nothing. You can act like, oh, if I do that, I'm going to be limited. No, you are going to be freed. You are going to be empowered. And you are going to see yourselves as having so much greater status, dignity, and power, and authority than you could ever have imagined in a human context. So Paul has argued through Galatians that the way to God and your true identity in him can't be achieved through human effort or regulation. That's one of the things that we've already tackled so far in preceding chapters. He then states clearly that what the position is for everyone who believes. All are children of God. It's a great leveler. The great thing about this equality is that it doesn't level people down, it levels people up. Yeah, this elevates everyone to that position of unique dignity of being God's children. They're all equal in his sight. They're all children of God through faith. And Paul is just laying down that, that, that definition, that simple reinforcement again. This is through faith. You can't earn this. You can't work towards it. You just put your faith in the one who has already earned that for you because then you are clothed with Christ. Really key aspect of Paul's teaching. You see it in Romans where he quotes Habakkuk. The righteous will live by faith. You have faith. You are righteous. You are all equal in his sight. And then we see the diversity that this brings. That there is no separation by human category. Because our world does have a tendency to become increasingly partisan and break people down into groups. For people to say, I belong to this group for the purpose of excluding people who are not in that group. That makes sense? The gospel of Jesus shows a way forwards in unity that removes all worldly barriers that we tend to build around ourselves. That removes... Racism, sexism, nationalism. Okay. Nationalism, obviously different to patriotism. Patriotism being proud of your country, wanting the best for it. Devotion to and vigorous support for your country. Nationalism is the identification with your own nation's interests, especially to the exclusion and detriment of others. Yeah? All right? So it's about the... the when we look at uh, the human tendency for us to put ourselves in groups... The negative aspect of that, which the gospel is coming against, is that those are, tend to be excluding other people. All right. So, when Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Okay. Does this mean that Paul is no longer saying there is no definition or no difference between these people? Well, no. I mean, that would sound very postmodern in its thinking, wouldn't it? No such thing as gender. We're not defined by race, equal social, you know, we've got equal social status. Clearly not, because true diversity 
is not saying that there is no difference between people. It is valuing all people the same, regardless of their difference. Yes? Okay. So, uh, Paul is not, the reason he's listing these categories is not that he's denying that there are different groups of people, that we, that we look different, that we are different, that we have different backgrounds, different nationalities, different gender. But he's saying these are not what defines you primarily. Primarily you are defined by your identity of Christ. And then you can be a member of any of these groups and it does not separate you because all are welcome. All right. God is a very creative artist. All right. All right. Heaven will not be a bland population. All right. So Paul, Paul in no way is denying the, the differences between these people. Sometimes this passage has been, this verse has been used as been twisted uh, when people with an agenda either to blurring the, the barrier, the kind of the definitions of gender or race. But no, we see clearly in Scripture, God created male and female, equal and different. Okay? The answer to sexism is not to say there's no difference between men and women. It is to value both men and women equally. All right? It's the same with nationalities, with race, with social class. Okay? Jew or Gentile, Paul is not saying that there are no ethnic differences or denying that there are different countries and races. He's saying that they don't separate us and that all are equal in God's sight. Coming back to that idea, that population of heaven, have you ever considered what that's going to be like? All right, that's going to be a great party, isn't it? All right. There's a few verses in Revelation that I just think give him an idea of the wonderful diversity that is going to be the people of God in heaven. Revelation 7 verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's going to be wonderful. Every nation tribe people and language standing before the throne that's what it looks like everyone equal everyone just there face to face worshiping god from all backgrounds and in all languages i believe that somehow we will be able to understand the different languages in heaven i believe this passage conveys the idea that there will not be one single language in heaven i'm tackling this a bit with day school students this week all right I think those of us that have maybe read the King James Version of the Bible were under the impression that the language of heaven will be English. <laughs> no, there's not going to be one single language. There'll be all languages, all peoples coming and giving their worship and their glory and united and diverse. All languages, even Welsh, even Welsh will be there all right, as one of the languages giving glory to God. Don't mention the rugby, says Alan. Oh, it's fine. All right. Oh, Alan, you've blown now. We're going to have people starting checking their, their phones for the scores midway through. Um, Revelation 21, 26 says... The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Do you think each nation 
has unique characteristics that it can use to bring particular glory to God. Right. I love that. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. That God has created a wonderfully diverse, different world. And then all of those nations, every people group, every language will be able to bring what it's got, its unique place in creation and go, you know what, God, this is yours. This is all for your glory. And we're all going to be united in just becoming, because the thing that will unite us primarily is in worship of the king. Because we're all going to be coming as his children, just delighting, going, hey, all these different things that you have given us. Hey, all these wonderful characteristics, all these different languages. We're going to bring those into the presence of the king where we enjoy face-to-face relationship forever and where we just get to bring that and just lay it down in worship. That's going to be a good time. Okay? So it got this whole multitude of people and it's great to be different. Always remember, you're unique, just like everyone else. <laughs> okay? All right? But we, we, we value diversity. We value this in our, in our characteristics, in our temperaments, in our giftings. Okay? The, the true building up of the kingdom and of the church does not look like we try and get everyone to look like one person. All right? We're not trying to get everyone to look like, you know, one of the directors. That would be weird. You know, for one thing, you'd have to pick which one. And, that, yeah, that's going to get awkward right from the start. Okay? <laughs> All right. No. We're going, hey, what, what's your unique gift? What's your shape? Come bring this. Be part of what we're doing. And I love the, the diversity that we have um, in this church and that that is on the increase. I think Mark Henley commented on this a few weeks ago. He said when he first joined the church, it looked primarily different. So I can say this actually a lot clearer. When I first joined the church, I was five years old. All right? There were about 25 of us. We were all from one village. (laughs) We were all from New Ash Green. All right? Everyone was white, and and everyone was under 40, (laughs) <laughs> and we all lived in a small village in New Ash Green. And we were worshipped. I think now we've got people from, well, I think at least three different counties in the UK coming in, coming from wide and far. We've got people from a multitude of nations, people from around Europe, from, I think, you know, pretty much most continents on the globe. We've got represented now within Eastgate. People who have coming with different languages, different backgrounds. And that is wonderful. Wonderful just to celebrate that and just to see, you know what, I think this gives us a greater picture. And it makes us stronger and it makes us a more diverse people. It also makes us a more gifted people. People with a greater exposure to, I think, different areas of society and of the world with a greater vision. I love it that Eastgate is, is investing in the nations. All right? Just right now, this morning, all right? well, David Webster is off in Singapore. Okay? Well, Nathan Gilpin's in Sweden, isn't he, I think? Um, okay, and your team there. 
We've got the Bungays. You've got Paul, Joe, Henry and Charlotte Bungay. They are transforming the Faroe Islands. All right, they're there this morning and we're joining with them in prayer. All right, right. We're just that wonderful sense of just going out into all the world and just investing in that and of just seeing that reflected amongst us as well. Okay. Being part of that wonderful multitude, being part of the global church, the bride of Christ, who God is coming back to redeem and bring up to himself one day to say, you are glorious. You are all equal. You are valuable in my sight. You are diverse. And God is coming back for his worldwide church. Okay. To quote Katya Adams, who's a friend of this church, we live in a Genesis 3 world that is fallen with a Genesis 1 template with men and women equal in the eyes of God with a Revelation 21 trajectory where all people are worshipping before the king. Okay? All right. And the cross never removes diversity, it removes division. Yeah? All right. The cross celebrates diversity, but it removes all division between the people because we are all one in Christ. We are united, one in Christ. Because we apply this corporately as well as individually. Individually, you celebrate your identity. I am a child of God. I am one in Christ with everyone else. We are part of one body, as I said, one bride. Unity is key. Right, One in Christ. We are building the body of Christ. We are all part of extending his kingdom. It's something that Paul picks up elsewhere in one of his other letters, which we'll just reference at the moment. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. So Christ gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's highlight one line from that. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Christian maturity brings unity. Yeah? This is the real test of whether you're mature. Whether you're growing as a Christian and playing your part in his people. Are you bringing unity? Okay? Because you can have amazing gifting and still be immature. You know that? Okay? You never get to claim credit for your gifting... Because the clue's in the name. It's a gift. It was something given to you. you right? <laughs> right? You don't take credit for that. Now, we recognize it in people. We honor that. And we want those gifts to be fully expressed. But it is just that. It's a gift. Whereas true maturity actually looks at your character and how that's expressed. And true Christian maturity looks at being united with other people and bringing unity. All right? You can have amazing gifting and still be immature. You can prophesy, teach, heal the sick, exercise great faith. But if you're doing it in a divisive manner, you're immature. Okay? Doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. Okay? I say, you know, I feel closer to some people having argued with them. Sorry, discussed with them. Discussed with them. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay? 
But as long as the aim is greater understanding of the other person, yeah? All right? Uh, Of not just, uh, I'm here to blitz over you with my viewpoint, saying, right, I'm trying to work out where you're coming from. All right? Okay? And it doesn't say that we never need to bring correction. Okay? Sometimes people are in error. We do. We correct in love. Okay? But it's about that, just being humble. You're all one in Christ. Okay? It's about playing your part as part of the body of Christ. You're all one. You're all part of this body, of this church, of this family. Okay? Are you bringing greater unity? I hate to use the phrase good team player, but you know, there is that. Okay? Christians are never intended to be lone rangers. You're part of an army. All right? An army needs to be united. You can't have people okay, <laughs> marching the wrong way or fighting against, in fighting against the, in, in the same army. That's a quick way to defeat right there. All right? If you've, got, if you've got infighting there, if you've got people trying to cut each other down, if you've got a battalion of troops marching forward with people elbowing, elbowing each other out the way to get to the front, all right, that's not a united way. The enemy just cuts through that. Okay? So, no, as part of this church, are you bringing your unique gifting to build a mature people who can fully proclaim the good news to the world? Just touch on that. So it's never about, you know, beware people that come and say that they're building my ministry. All right? That's always a little bit of a warning flag. All right? People come to go, I'm looking for a platform for my ministry. All right? Okay. Fortunately, that doesn't tend to gain much traction around here. All right? Because the correct way is going, this is my gift. How can I contribute? Rather than, uh, what can this contribute to building my reputation yeah all right there's a humility in that all right of submitting to one another i think that wonderful thing we also talked about diversity we have diversity of gifts as well different skill sets all equally valuable in god's eyes and it's all act of worship okay Oh, cool. So, you know, me preaching to you today, I'm using one of my gifts. It is also on me to use other of my gifts, my gift of service. All right? You know, Friday night, there, we're setting up for the youth worship just to be partnering with them. Yeah, it's a much smaller context. It's equal in God's sight. All right? Because what I'm doing is I'm doing it as an act of worship. Okay? So, it's never about status. Because we're all equal. You're all one in Christ. But you're all different. Okay? So God has given each one of you your specific giftings that you get to come, you get to bring into this. And you get to build something fantastic. Alright? That wonderful worshipping community of people, you are building that with everything that you do. Every single thing that you do as an act of worship to God has eternal significance. All right? There are no everyday activities. Yeah? All right? You are doing it all as worship to God. All right? Every single interaction that you have with any human being on the planet, that person is eternal. You know that. All right? They have an eternal destiny. And we get to be part of shaping people's eternal destiny by welcoming them in, 
by saying, you have this opportunity to be part of that, this. Proclaiming, you get to come, you, you know, place your faith in Jesus. Let him declare who you are in a wonderful way. Let him reveal your destiny. Part of that. Let him show just the wonderful status that we have in him. Okay? So, I say to you this morning, you are all equal. You are diverse. You are united. It's the wonderful truth of the gospel. You have equal status. You are all sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. There is no human barrier that separates you. There is no category that comes across that. That God's declaration over you trumps anything that the world can ever try and define you with. All right? And then we get to be part of this wonderful, united family, the body of Christ. I'm just going to finish by reading one, reading a psalm. Even with the, even with the old covenant, when God had chosen one people, which was Israel, the aim of that was always that that be a light to the nations. Yeah? Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen. All right. God bless you guys.